The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear my words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and full knowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he was poured out that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom he crucified. Now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord your God calls to himself. And with many others' words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. For those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Let's pray. Father God, we pray now as Randall brings this message that you would be speaking, that your spirit would be filling our hearts now, um, that we would know what it is to receive your spirit um, and how we are changed by that, Father. So yes, just bless this time now. Uh, we know you are here. We thank you. We love you. Anyway, pray. Amen. 
Good morning, church family. Today, we're gonna to be continuing in our series in the book of Acts. And I'm excited as we've been thinking about what it means to be the church, because I think for us as Grace City, uh, really looking at the book of Acts helps us to remember what's most important. Uh, remembering that the, the message of Jesus and the gospel and really living on mission is what God has called us to do as the church. And so today, we're gonna to be looking at Acts chapter two, verses 14 through 41. And like I said uh, last week at our in-person gathering, um, you know, much of the first couple messages were really dipping our toe into uh, what is the book of Acts all about. And, and now we've done this deep dive into the Holy Spirit coming, empowering the church and the gospel spreading and, and really sharing about what the kingdom of God is all about. And so today uh, our message is receiving Jesus. Because what we're going to see in this text is uh, Peter get up and share the first sermon in the Christian church. And so we're going to look at that today. But before we jump into that, uh, you know, growing up for me, um, I was told about Jesus. You know, as a child, my grandmother would take me to church and I would hear about Jesus. I would hear Bible stories as she took me to the Sunday school classes um, and I knew a little bit about Jesus just from hearing about him. But it wasn't until I was 16 years old and I was invited to church as a, from a friend and, and really started to hear what the message of Christianity was all about, what the gospel was all about. See, before that, I thought it was you kind of dress up, make yourself look good on the outside, be a good person, and then eventually possibly you could get into heaven. That's what I thought the message of being a Christian was. But what I found out is that it was radically different from what I expected it to be. It, was, it wasn't about me cleaning myself up, but it was that God, through Jesus, is the one that takes care of my sins. And so there was a conversion experience for me. And you see, for some of us, receiving Jesus as our Savior can be instantaneous, right? It's, it's this instant moment from darkness to light where you're a changed person, where you understand it in that moment. Maybe you didn't before, but it was just like instantaneous. It happens. And for some of you, you have those radical conversion stories. But for others of us, it takes time. It takes hearing the gospel again and again and, and the, that seed being watered for us to eventually get to that point where we receive Jesus as our Savior. But what I want to say today is this, for all of us, every Christian, it is necessary for us to receive Christ. John 3.3 says this, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. There's a new birth that happens. The Bible calls it regeneration. Titus 3.5 tells us what that regeneration is. It's, it's the washing that God does in our lives. Matthew 18.3, Jesus talks about this conversion that happens. And Ephesians 2 and Colossians 2 talk about how it's this moment where you go from death, spiritual death, to life. Dr. David Martin Lloyd-Jones says, conversion is the first exercise of the new nature and ceasing from old forms of life and starting a new life. It is the first action of the regenerate soul in moving from something to something. 
And what we know is that that something is from death, spiritual death, to life. And so my question today for you is this, have you received Jesus? Because as we dig into the heart of what this text is all about and what Peter is preaching for, it's so that people can be changed from death to life and receive this new life that can only be found in Jesus. And so our text today is Acts 2, 14 through 41. And as we talked about before, Luke is the writer of Acts, and he also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And what we see is that um, Peter is delivering this message, and it's interesting because as we think about Peter, out of all the apostles, we, we find that he's got a lot of energy and a lot of excitement, but he's also the one that denied Jesus three times. He's also the one that turned his back on Jesus in his darkest moment. And it was Peter that God chose to preach this message. And so today, if you're listening in and you feel like, man, there's no way that God could use somebody like me or could save somebody like me, I want you to think about the life of Peter because God uses the life of Peter and he can break through in your life as well. And so what can we learn today from this text about people who genuinely receive Jesus? Well, we're going to see three signs from today's text. The first one is this. It's knowing the real Jesus. Number two, being cut to the heart. And number three, responding to God's gift. Knowing the real Jesus, being cut to the heart, and responding to God's gift. Now, this is a long section of scripture that we read through today. But we're going to break down these last few verses to really get to the heart of what is happening here. So the first one is this, knowing the real Jesus. Look at verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So first off, Peter is talking specifically to the house of Israel. And it says here, therefore, no. Now, what do we need to know about the therefore? Well, Peter had just preached some texts from the Old Testament. And so he brought up prophets like Joel and David. And what he did was he took them and he says, all of these prophets from the past, all of these people that we know from the Hebrew scriptures, all of them point back to Jesus. It, it, it all points back to the real Jesus. And, and what he says there is he uses this word, therefore, no. Here's what you need to know and I need to know today. And it's this. As you read the Bible, the Bible proves who Jesus really is. He wasn't just a good man. He, he wasn't just somebody who came and said, just live like me. No, it's a, Jesus himself said he was God. And the scriptures prove this to be true. As Peter is looking at these Old Testament writers, he's saying that they're all pointing back to Jesus. And what he's doing is he's preaching what we would call a gospel-centered sermon. This is a message that's all about Christ. 
And as we look at what Luke's whole purpose for writing was, it's this, that yes, all of the scriptures point to Jesus, but it is historical. You see, as Luke writes, he's going to write times and places, people's names, all of those things to look back on to see that there's a historical Jesus who really walked this earth. It's not a fairy tale. It's true. See, over time, people have started to believe that Christianity is something where all you do is you leave your mind at the door. To have faith, you've got to be kind of absent-minded. Um, that if you want to be a person of faith, you don't really engage your mind. But what this is encouraging us to do is, no, it's actually the opposite. Don't leave your mind at the door. Engage with this. Why? Because when you engage with something that's true, you're going to find out that it is true. And so it's leaning into the scriptures, believing that this is the truth of God. And what's going to happen is there's going to be a change of mind because that's what the word repent means. We're going to see this later, but the, the word repent, metanoia, means to change the mind. It means to change your mind. And so some of you are having intellectual problems with Jesus. But what I encourage you to do is keep wrestling with the scriptures. This is God's word and he will show you the truth. You know, I've had many conversations with students before, um, and one of them I think of in particular was my friend Kevin. Uh, we would have conversations at UCSD campus, we would meet up for coffee, and he was having this intellectual, like, wrestling. He asked me all the questions that he could think of about Christianity. But do you know what happened over time? It says, it, it, it's as he wrestled with his faith, he became stronger. He became stronger. And so the same thing is true. And in, in what Peter is encouraging the people to do is this, to know for certain that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ. Both Lord and Christ. And so that is what he's wrestling with here. But the second point is this, being cut to the heart. How do we get there? Well, he, he makes the point of this, that Jesus was crucified. And you know what he says? He says, whom you crucified in verse 36. And here's what happens next. Being cut to the heart. Being cut to the heart. Look at verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Brothers, what shall we do? Here's what we need to know today. Christianity is not something you do first. Right? It's not a program or a list of rules that you follow. But first, it's something that God does. Do you see what happens here first? It says that they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. Who cut their heart? Who pierced their heart? God did. See, to be a Christian means that you and I, we are swept up in what's been done for us by God. See, it's God, even in this text, that penetrates into the deep recesses of the heart and wounds through the mention of the cross, through the power of Jesus. 
You see, this translation of cut to the heart can be to stabbed or pierced in the heart. Some of the youth today, they say this way, it hit different. I felt that. That's what's happening here. David Platt says, being a Christian involves leaving behind superficial religion for supernatural regeneration. What this is, 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 is not, again, a list of rules and regulations and things that you're following, but saying, no, this is a supernatural change of the heart where God comes in and takes a heart of stone and, and, and makes it into a heart of flesh. See, to become a Christian, it's when you hear the story of Jesus and sin becomes personal. It's not an abstract idea anymore. See, as Peter points out who put Jesus on the cross, because here's what he says. He says, this Jesus whom you crucified. It's interesting because the people in particular that he's preaching to, they probably weren't there when Jesus was actually crucified. But they heard about it. And the way that Peter preaches this is saying, you know what, you are responsible And for you and me today, it's when we understand that it wasn't just these people that were responsible for it, but it was me. It was you. It was all of us. We were responsible for Jesus being placed on the cross. See, it was our sin that placed him there. Timothy Keller said, uh, it's, it's one thing to break God's rules. It's another thing to break his heart. It's one thing to break his rules, it's another to break his heart. See, this is a personal thing that happens. What was it that kept Jesus on the cross? Was it the nails that kept him there? No. It was our sin, and it it was his love. His love for you and me. And when this truth hits our heart, hits my heart, hits your heart, we're changed. We're changed. And all you can say is, God did it, right? God reached down into my heart and saved me. God did it. Jonah 2, 5 through 6 says this, The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around uh, about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me up. You brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. See, when, when, when you've been cut to the heart, you understand that it was God who brought you out of the pit. It was God that reached down and grabbed you. And you see, before they get into doing anything, they have to understand that their heart's been pierced. And that's what the writer, that's what Luke wants us to understand. God pierced their heart. And so next, it's responding to God's gift. Responding to God's gift because there's a God that has loved them and has loved us so much that he still wants a relationship with us. And so they're like, what do we do? Well, here's how they respond. Verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so first the people ask, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? So they just heard the gospel. Their heart has been pierced. 
And Peter's response is twofold. Repent and be baptized. Underline this, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so first, to become a Christian, as you've heard the gospel, as you've been pierced to the heart, it's repenting. Again, we talked about this. This is a change of direction. It's a change of mind. It's a change of heart. It's something when God's changed you from the inside out, you're a different person. And I want to say this, that the word repent, that's a gift. That's a gift, friends, that, that when we know that we are headed in this direction of destruction, God says, you know what, I'm going to turn you around and I'm going to give you some hope. I'm going to give you some hope. And so to repent is a gift. See, for some of us, it triggers us, right? When we hear repent, like, oh man, hell, fire, brimstone, repent, turn. But when Peter's sharing this with them, this was hope for them because they knew that they were at the end of themselves. And next, he says, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And so this word, baptism, is really a transliteration of the Greek word, baptizo. And if we were to translate it, it means to immerse. To immerse in water is what we would have seen. And so the, the examples that we see, even in the life of Jesus, is that Jesus himself was baptized. And in Matthew 28, 19, he instructs all of his disciples to go out to share the good news of the gospel, to make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so there is a, 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 a next step when you've been pierced to the heart, when, when God has changed your heart, when God has saved you. And that next step is taking that step of faith into representing the gospel. You see, what is baptism? Well, Colossians 2.12 says this, Having been buried with him in baptism, when you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Here's what baptism is. It's an outward representation of the gospel and that you and I get to live that out. And so when we go down under that water, that's representing that old life, that death that happened. And when you raise up out of the water, it is a representation of the new life that you have as Jesus rose from the dead. See, your life is not your own anymore. It's God's. And so as you see this invitation to the beautiful gifts of repentance and baptism, and you step in faith knowing that God is working in you, you're going to experience the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Friends, it, it is a gift. It's a gift. And so today, as we think about this text, and what it's inviting us to, I want to give some takeaways. The first one is this, knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus. This is extremely important. Matthew chapter 7 tells us that you can do work for Jesus, but not even know Jesus. Jesus can look you in the face and say, depart from me for I never knew you. And so today, personally, do you know Jesus? Does he know you? Right, as we look at verse 39, here's what it says. For the promise is for you, for you. And so have you personally seen God 
actively working in your life? Has the gospel pierced your heart? Again, Ezekiel 36, 26 says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So today, you've had moments maybe where, where even during this message you said, that's true, or I need that. And I just want you to know that that little tug did not come from you. It came from God. And for some of you today, maybe you've never repented publicly of your sin. You say, yes, I am a sinner. I need Jesus. And so I encourage you today to talk to us, to fill out a connection card. Maybe some of you have never publicly been baptized. And I encourage you today to reach out to us because we want to walk with you on this journey of faith. And Jesus says, he's here to make disciples. Like we are making disciples. And a part of that in that faith journey is coming to him and saying, I repent of my sins. Because that, that's just, that is just what we do as believers the rest of our lives. You're going to be repenting the rest of your life. I repent all the time. I ask God for his grace and his forgiveness all the time. But he also asks you to step in faith and obedience and be baptized. And again, you can't baptize yourself. The beautiful thing is it's somebody else coming alongside you, taking you down, bringing you up, and it's a reminder of your salvation. You didn't do it. You can't do it. Only God can. And so you get to experience what the gospel is all about. And so if you've never done that, fill out a connection card today. We'd love to walk with you through it. Next, sharing Jesus. Now, God has given you a sphere of influence. And you see next in verse 39, he says, and for your children, and for your children. Right, so there's a sphere of influence that God has given you in your life. And I want to ask you today, how are you sharing Jesus with your family? For me, those little seeds started to get planted in my life through my grandmother, taking me to church, telling me about Jesus, telling me that she was praying for me. And so for you, how are you doing that for your family? For those who are close to you, maybe your friends, planting those seeds. Some of the greatest joys as I became a Christian was being able to baptize some of my friends and seeing that they came to faith in Jesus. And so for you, are you sharing that with those close to you of what Jesus has done for you? Do you know the true message of the gospel? And that again, it's not you cleaning up your life, but that God came and cleaned up your life through Jesus Christ and you receive through grace, his love and mercy. Do you know that? You know, one of the gifts for me while I was doing my grandfather's funeral a couple of years ago was I got to meet one of my cousins that I'd never met before. And he loves the Lord. He loves the Lord. When you talk about Jesus, just joy just flows out of this dude. And we were talking a little bit um, about his interaction with my grandfather because um, him and my grandfather were close. And over the years, I was never able to get that close to my grandfather. He was just kind of more of a quiet guy, um, kind of a harder personality type. But my cousin, he got pretty close with him. And at the funeral, he shared about the night where he felt the Holy Spirit was tugging him to go talk to my grandfather. He went to his, his bedside at the hospital. 
and started talking with him and started telling him about Jesus. And he said, he shared right there that uh, my grandfather had accepted Christ as his savior. And it just brought tears to my eyes, like just this relief of, I can't believe it. You know, that, that, that God saved my grandfather through my cousin sharing the gospel with him. And so today, like, I just want you to know that sharing Jesus is extremely important and praying for those opportunities to know when the right time is. Just like we see Peter getting up and preaching this gospel. And it says that 3,000 souls were added that day to the group of believers. Gospel explosion. And lastly, spreading Jesus. You're outside Outside your influence. Here's the thing. Nabil Qureshi, who died from cancer in 2017, he wrote this book, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And he was a Muslim, a devout Muslim, who became a Christian. He encountered Jesus. And I want to read this quote from him. He says, While I was wallowing in self-pity, focusing on myself, there was a whole world with literally billions of people who had no idea who God is. How amazing he is and the wonders he has done for us. They're the ones who are really suffering. They don't know his hope, his peace, and his love that transcends all understanding. They, they don't know the message of the gospel. After loving us with the most humble life and the most horrific death, Jesus told us, as I have told you, go and love one another. How could I consider myself a follower of Jesus if I was not willing to live as he lived, to die as he died, to love the unloved and give hope to the hopeless? Is that burning inside of you? Right? This is somebody who, who, who had fought against Christianity his whole life. He, he, he tried to disprove the Bible and then God just radically saves him through a friend, just continually sharing the gospel with him and telling him, no, the Bible is true. But he said, you know what he said? He said that when he talked to most Christians, they didn't have an answer. And so he just felt more confident in his answers. Do you have an answer for an outside world, a dying world that needs to know about Jesus? How does that happen? Well, it's when you personally start to see Jesus. It's when you personally start to see what he's done for you. It's when you start to picture him on that cross crucified, not for just a general public, but for you. See, because this resonated deeply in the heart of a man, Peter, who again denied him three times. See, because at the end of the Gospel of John, we see the redemption, we see the Gospel moment for Peter the restoration, because Peter had gone back to his old job. He'd started fishing again. He wasn't catching anything, but he was back out there fishing again. And Jesus pursues him. Jesus calls him back. And Peter sees Jesus on the shore, and he just swims towards Jesus just with reckless abandon. And in John 21, uh, verse 15 through 19, it says this, When they had breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, I, you know that I love you. 
Jesus said, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, the thing that draws us back in, it's the love of Jesus. See, it wasn't, it wasn't, Jesus didn't have to do this, but he was healing Peter from his hurt, from his pain, from the rejection that he had given to Christ. And Jesus broke through. And in that moment, he received the great gift of that relationship with Jesus, but also the calling on his life that took him out to preach this message. So for you and me today, it's not just receiving Jesus and great, we're good, but the book of Acts and what we're going to see all through it is that it's, it's taking it out and preaching it to a world that desperately needs the gospel. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for how you're working in our lives. And I pray that if anyone's feeling the Holy Spirit's tug on their heart right now, that they know that, Jesus, you're enough. That what you've done on the cross is enough for us. That the goodness of the gospel, the gospel of grace, not the gospel of striving harder, working harder, living this moral life that we think we can do on our own, it's not that. It's just some, simply breathing in and breathing out and, and being and knowing that Jesus did it all. He accomplished everything. And because of what Jesus has done, you've given us this invitation to receive Christ and to know that we can be called sons and daughters of God. And so I pray for anyone today that's listening in, that feels far from you, that needs you, God, that they draw near to Jesus and the cross and that they respond in obedience to you, whatever that might be, whether it be repentance or baptism or whatever it might be that you're calling them to do or just to spread the good news of the gospel and to find uh, just again that, that that message needs to go out to a dying world. So we just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.